Podcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Pretty chill. Pretty chill. chill. Every week, I always feel like I'm ready to ride the top of that roller coaster yeah, or that arch, and then I'm like, ah. You can't. It's broken. Oh, <laughs> arch is broken still. Yeah. But we're not. No, I mean, we're maybe not. a little bit in the head, but. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we are not, and we are here for Defiance Episode 9. We're getting closer and closer so and closer to the finale. Yeah. Am I saying this right? Is it Ostinato? Uh, that's Ostinato and White? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I uh, that what think say? it would say. Yeah. All right, episode nine, Ostinato and White. But before we get started, who are you? Uh, hi, I'm Jesse <laughs> Klein. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JessKlein1. That's J-E-S-S-K-L-E-I-N, the number one. That's right, because you're always number one to me. I am number one. And I am Scott Moore. You can find me on Twitter at S-Man80. That's S-M-A-N-8-0. And uh, another really... Really good episode. Yeah, with another the, good season. This season is uh, so far my favorite of the series. Absolutely, uh, I, I, without a doubt, without a doubt, the action, the the storylines, the plot. Yeah, so so on point. This yeah, season. which is uh, with what they've done with like the killing of main characters right. who handled a lot of the dialogue and adding at least two new characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's a, kind of like a dangerous thing for a TV show. Like you don't know how that's going to shift, but exactly, they did a really good job. Yeah, and and not to mention even too, just learning more about the characters. You know, we've talked about those in previous episodes with the use of the backstory. Yeah, and uh, which has been really really great. So we've been able to learn about some of our leads in in a way we did not know to kind of realize why they behave in the way that they behave. Yeah, so it's pretty uh, pretty cool, but um. I guess we might as well jump right into it. We do have a special guest caller who we'll be calling in shortly. Yeah, we do. But until then, we might as well uh, get rocking and rolling here. Are we going to tease our special caller? Should we tease him? Yeah. Let's tease him. Yeah. Tease him. Uh, It's BB. It's Billy McClellan's going to call in. We've got a traitor in our midst. That's right. And uh, we're going to talk to him on the phone. Yes, I'm excited for him to call in momentarily. Yeah. Uh, But as we jump in, though... We we jump in with the opening uh, sequence there of them at the uh, memoriam, I guess the memorial. Well, the opening sequence was Doc running. Well, yes. Well, Doc, as we find out, Doc's clone. I know. I was watching. I was like, "That's Doc." That's exactly what and I did too. Like, I'm like, Wait "Did a they just kill Doc in the opening sequence?" I was like, "Or am I like indigene racist?" And I think all of them look the same. Like. I was really. I was like, they killed. That was definitely Doc. I was well, like, I, I and it was funny you said I did the same exact thing. I'm like, I'm into gene racist because that was clearly Doc. But I'm like, but it couldn't have been Doc because it was sort of like this, it, hap- it was too crazy. It happened too fast, and they're not going to do anything to my Tony Keating because I love her so much. Yeah, they and, cannot. Uh, they will not. A brutal killing of Doc. Yeah. 
uh, from a mysterious beast. From a beast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I I did love I love that sequence, but yes, I had to actually go back and watch it. Again. I'm like, wait a minute, was it just me <laughs> thinking it was her? No, it was dark. And we find yeah. out, yeah, we find out what happened there. Which yeah. I was saying off camera, I need a I need a clone, so I'm a little disappointed that I don't have a clone. Yeah, actually, I, I could use two. Really, I think I think having a clone around might be nice. Yeah, get some stuff done. Get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Send out that clone on things you don't want to go to and deal with. And oh man, that'd be easy. That'd be great. Yeah, send that clone to work. Pesky things like that. Yeah, and then the then you get to have fun all the time. Yeah. So uh, you know, Docu Watame, but she didn't realize that she had this clone. No, she did not. So uh, that was that was a fun uh, that was a fun realization there. <laughs> the, that entire storyline was insane. Yeah, I, and again, uh, just like the season, I thought it was done really well. Uh, yeah, I I think clones. Uh, like as far as like sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, go, it's a pretty, it's a staple. And as we know, uh, all the Indigene are clones. They uh, are created in labs, that kind of stuff. There could be multiples of one right. type. Uh, but Doc did not know that there were any of hers running around. Mm-hmm. I thought they really handled kind of the body horror of like what being having like multiple clones of yourself. Like, Doc is there, you know, talking about, like, ah, get your hands off my body, is what she says. Yeah. And in hindsight, you're like, ah, it was her body. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, like, the idea of, like, this body that you've been examining is your own. Right. And, like, the whole, like, when she goes through the entire clone laboratory and, like, just, like, the... Like the shreds of her, like hang, hanging from the ceiling, and like that that one version of her, like under the water, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was all it was all real gross and scary. Yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, it was definitely. It was. It was a fun fun scene, but yeah. definitely like mind trippy. Yeah, but yeah. So I think we have uh, we have Billy here with us on the phone. Oh, awesome! He's joining in now. Hey, Billy, are you there? Well, maybe. Oh. Oh, hi. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. It's Scott, and uh, we've got Jesse here. Hi, Billy. How's it going? Brother Jesse, how are you, man? <laughs> Doing good. <laughs> hey, thanks for uh, joining in with us tonight. I don't know where you're calling from, but uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm calling from Toronto. Oh, uh, so it's late there. Beautiful city. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love me some Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking about how much we really, really loved this season of Defiance, and uh, and your character has played up to this point a very integral role in this season. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, here's a here's a, a little secret that I didn't let you know over Twitter, but before I got the job, uh, when I found out I got the job, I watched the first two seasons in five days and (laughs) I uh, supplemented as I went through each episode by listening to your podcast oh Oh, wow (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) no no you guys you guys are doing such a great job and you're so um, it's just so cool to hear like uh, the fans of the show be so articulate and intelligent about it. And uh, but t- in in um, in all honesty, whenever I got to the uh, predictions, <laughs> then I just stopped listening to that individual episode because uh, I needed to gear up right. on the canon of the show so quickly that uh, the predictions at that point weren't of any use to me other than it just being a fan of the show. So <laughs> right. I didn't listen to a prediction until the 
um, season, the final episode of season two. <laughs> oh wow, that's fantastic! And actually, very smart to do that because it'd be easy just to go yeah. and listen all the way through and hear all those. Uh, and, and it is there's a, there's a huge mythology to the show, and it, there is a learning curve for sure. When I first start, when we started with episode one, I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, it was overwhelming. When I found out that uh, when I was coming in in season two, yeah. I had to do so much research. Yeah. I was like, okay, but what's west of Defiance? Right. And like, what's going on there? And is there a central government? I don't understand like all of that kind of stuff. I, it, it is incredible, like the, just getting the words down and the different races of the yeah. aliens and, and the history behind it all. I mean, it really does. It feels like something you have to learn in school to really yeah. get all that down. So that's definitely a crash course you had to go through to be uh, ready for the season three. Yeah, well, I watched the shows, I listened to your podcast, and then what I, fe- I felt so... Um, I felt as prepared as I could be, and when I went into my costume fitting, and then the um, Simonetta, the costume designer, uh, quickly talked me through all of the different races, and I was trying to... I was like, yeah, but then she... She was, of course, talking about the Omex and such, and I was like, okay, hold on. I don't really <laughs> recall... And then I thought I was missing stuff, and but it's so big and it's ever evolving. It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a task to keep up. As as an actor, how does that feel to kind of enter in the third season of a world that's been completely created? Like it's in the future. It's all of these new rules and that kind of stuff. How does it how does it feel to kind of enter and become a part of that world? Well, in a way, it's a little bit daunting, uh, but you have to remember when you show up, as long as you're willing to ask for help, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's 40 people at hand that are willing to help you figure out whatever you need to figure out. And, you know, in a way, it was a little bit of a gift that BB uh, was a slow burn sure. in that mm-hmm. I got to sit back and observe and really just fan out for the first <laughs> Three or four episodes you know i got to yeah. hang out like i started watching the show because it was a job and it didn't take too many episodes for me to uh realize that i was just really stoked after each episode cliffhanger to just start the next one you know and what a what a gift that is yeah yeah that sounds that sounds cool now uh your uh, for your first few episodes, you had a you had a, like a lot of makeup on. How long did that take? Everyone exactly, likes to hear exactly. That's exactly what was going to be my question too, Jesse. Everyone <laughs> likes to hear the makeup chair right uh, stories. Well, you know it's funny. I was um, I was talking to a few actors recently, and they were talking about having to get the cast done, mm-hmm. where they they cast your whole head or a part of your head and. They were both talking about how much the, the, the process freaked them out, um, and this is my this was my actually my third casting, and wow. I did a I did a um, half a cast for a, a, a show called Saving Hope, where I played a guy that did his own facial tattoos and piercings, and he implanted his own horns. So I had some prosthetics for that, and then I did another show called Remedy, where I played mm-hmm. a burn victim. Oh, wow. So I've I've realized that you know it's sort of that adage whether you think you can or you can't you're right. So <laughs> when I went into it this time, I just tried to go to a place of relaxation and meditation, and that forty minutes or whatever passed by in no time. But BB's makeup took about four hours wow. to put on. 
the very first day. Paul Jones mm-hmm. designed it, and he put it on the first day. And when he put it on the first day, it, he uh, put the Indigene skin on first, mm-hmm. and then he put the torn-up, replicated Billy skin on top of that. Um, and then after a few days of doing that process, when I showed up, he had all of the pieces put together and painted, so it was just mm. the right side and the left side, but still it was really hard to get it done. Even like that, it was still yeah. really hard to get it done in under three hours. Wow. Bon, wow. I can just imagine even just wearing all of that, too. You yeah. Know, like, that's got to be a lot. Well, it was a little bit, this season was a little bit different from you know, the people that are wearing full prosthetics mm-hmm. historically for defiance, like Trina Doc Ewell was, she's been wearing it and hers w- wrapped around her entire head. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she had her hair glued to her scalp and then the, oh, you know, the bald cap over top of yeah. that. And she shot historically, they've been shooting historically in the summertime when it's, yeah. you know, 20 <laughs> degrees here. Mm-hmm. When I shot, it was minus 30, <laughs> but Jeez. my prosthetic acted as a whole other layer of skin, so yeah. I didn't mind it at all. I, I enjoyed the process. Actually, on the last day I ran around, on my last day of work, I was running around saying goodbye to everybody. I said goodbye to everybody in the on set, and then everybody in the office and then I went into the prosthetics trailer last, and I was, I, I, I felt like crying when I was leaving. I felt like summer camp, yeah. <laughs> summer oh. camp was over, and I had to go home. <laughs> right, right, because you're like in this whole other world here and having a good time. And um, do you have any? And, but, and the prosthetics guys mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. such fanboys of movies. Oh, if you're yeah. a fanboy of movies and you like to talk movies with guys while you're sitting there for three hours. <laughs> They're they're the guys because they can they can out movie trivia anybody. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> did did that process help you find uh, your character the first time you saw yourself as like this half indigene, half human kind of looking thing? Did you did that help you with the discovery of who BB is? Well, you know when I I was trying to send BB from a place of. Um, from a place of like the 1980s horror supervillain, like not too much to say and very focused on whatever the target is. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, you know, in subtle ways, when BB became Beckman, uh, uh-huh. I tried to breathe a little bit more life into him. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes is the scene that I got to do with uh, Jesse, who played Alack, and uh-huh. he was. Uh, there's a there's a little beat there where Alack thinks through maybe the smell or through the visual. Have I have I seen this guy before? Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of dig that scene and just looking at those two characters gauge. Hey, how much does that guy know, and how much how much does that guy know? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was really cool uh, seeing you transform from BB to Beckman. Mm-hmm. Like all all of a sudden you became extremely charismatic, which before you were kind of stoic. And it was kind of cool to see that kind of transformation happen. Well, there was a lot being asked, I thought, of the character in a really short period of time. Like right. you yeah. have to believe that this guy is likable enough for Nolan to say you know, not only, you know, hey, he's he's good in a fight, let him join our team, but it, it, you know, if you exude crazy at that moment, yeah. you don't get to be a part of the gang, and and that's his primary purpose. So, 
so yeah, so that that's how he infiltrates his way in. Right, right. I mean, that's that's what we were saying in the last episode. It was, it was pretty incredible the way he was able to infiltrate right into, you know, Nolan's core group there. And, and and that's what we're saying. It's such an integral role that your character had to be able to do that in in the show, and that quickly for the character to to be able to have the trust. So it yeah. says a lot for sure. Yeah, the, you know, it, it, it's such a brilliant plan to send in your buddies mm-hmm. to shoot up the place and then take them out in the process. And and because he saved Nolan, shooting his own colleagues. I mean, it's sort of hard to make an argument that, yeah, okay, I could see how Beckman could be the bad guy here. You know, of mm-hmm. course Nolan is going to trust him. He just saved his life. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, those action scenes are pretty cool. Where uh, Did you have to have any sort of, like, uh, I, I know you did a couple fist fights in there. Were, were there any kind of stunt training or anything like that? Well, the day before we shot that scene, we had a stunt rehearsal mm-hmm. at that very location. Um, so we went out, and my stunt double, Alex Armbruster, and Grant's stunt double, and Arissa's stunt double, and Jesse's stunt double were all out there. And then we had a, a stunt coordinator, and we had a fight coordinator. So they walked us through it. Um, they, they had it all choreographed when we showed up. And so then they walked us through it, and then uh, they filmed it for us to take home. Oh, wow. Uh, it, that type of thing is, I always find it uh, easy. I pick up the choreography quickly. It mm-hmm. fits in my body easy, and Grant is just such a pro at it. He picked it up really quickly. And uh, so, you know, that part, once once you're working with someone that picks it up so easy, then you can focus on other things because it's a, it's pretty easy to forget the choreography, you know, the next day when the, mm-hmm. there's 60 crew members standing on the other side of the camera and the pressure's on mm-hmm. and you're under the time restraints. So working with Grant in that on that day, you know, it, it might have been my favorite day because he's such a pro and he's such a good partner and he... He really gives a hundred percent every time. Like he's so dedicated to the product that his his process is really something wow. to enjoy enjoy watching. Yeah, well, it was an incredible scene. I mean, yeah. that's what we were talking about. Just overall, with this season in general, but you know that that particular entire that fight scene was amazing, and it had to have been a lot to have to put together and do the choreography and everything else to make it come out that way. Yeah, it felt it felt really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, while watching it, it felt like, oh, he might have just killed Arissa. Yeah, it was very like, intense. Yeah, uh, so the choreography Dude, was well, amazing. If you, I, I sat down and, and watched that scene with my mm-hmm. agent after my first viewing of it, and if you rewind, if you want to see someone take a, a killer hit, yeah. rewind and watch a lax uh, stunt double take that uh, rifle shot. Oh, really? He, it's really quite a... I didn't notice it in the first viewing, but go back and watch it, because when he gets air, he gets about three feet in the air, oh, and geez. there was no mat. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it looks like he went off of a springboard, but that's just him doing his own jump. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch that again. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we now know you're a big fan of the show. Uh, 
Do you have a favorite character in Defiance? Besides your own, of course. Besides, oh. yeah, besides <laughs> BB. Well, I see. Everyone has such. I I wouldn't be able to narrow it down. Like even <laughs> yeah. in just episode three hundred eight, um, Nolan does such cool stuff. Like he sort of uh, I've I've heard you guys say um, the comparison uh, to Han Solo mm-hmm. of, of, of Nolan, and that's so very true. Like you you just want to be around that guy. Like you're so uh, and and Grant is. Grant is as charismatic as Nolan, so he's just so much fun to be around. But then, like, Doc Ewell has such... She has such great moments in the show. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then if you even just take that one scene where um, Daytok cuts his arm off, uh, Tony was so... (laughs) I don't... I I was going to say funny, but it goes from gross... Yeah. Mm -hmm. To, to like terrifying like what is going on is he cutting off his and then it becomes funny and then you don't know what to feel and then when you watch Rom talk watching Tony uh-huh. oh, so when cool. you watch when you watch Lee's performance and he's freaking out in the gangster line <laughs> and he high fives with the it's to try to pick it it's like trying to pick a favorite kid everyone sure. has such great moments you can't narrow it down. Yeah, that, that's uh, and it's true. And I, I've always, uh, I've always loved Doc Ewell for her comedic relief. Like she just has those lines and she delivers those lines, and they're just, uh, I, I love it every single time. Yeah, that's that's a thing we uh, talk about a lot on the show is how like how giving the showrunners and the writers are to everyone has their moments in the show, mm-hmm. and no one really feels like they're lacking anything. No, and it just sort of speaks to. Uh, everyone involved uh, loving the characters. You know, somebody asked me on Twitter, um, "Do you do you like playing uh, a bad guy? Do you like playing playing a villain?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never like. I don't think of like I if you if you think of your character as a villain, mm-hmm. you end up twirling your mustache, and it's, <laughs> you know it's not it's not believable. You have to believe even as a villain that you are doing the best possible thing. Yeah. You're doing the best possible thing for your cause, right. and when the when the showrunners and the producers and the directors uh, love their character that much, then of course everyone gets you know everyone gets to shine in their moment. Even there are even some characters that just come in for one episode that um, they really get a they really get a, a, a great piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're more gray, the characters, you know, they're not all just purely evil or purely good. They have their motivations on, on what they're doing. Like you're saying, your character was motivated for certain reasons. Well, and just like the Tars are motivated for certain reasons, you can see they have their good and bad side. And that's what's great about the way these characters are fleshed out. Yeah, well, you see, you see it during the live tweets on Twitter. You see mm-hmm. people... <laughs> you see people that are so in love with some of the characters, and then if the character does something where there's a gray area, mm-hmm. Twitter starts to blow up. People yeah. are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what what's Berlin doing? I can't believe what mm-hmm. what why is Nolan? I can't believe I can't believe Daytok is." And that's so because no one no one is one thing. No right. one is just a good guy. No mm-hmm. one is just a bad guy. And that's what makes the characters so complex and so interesting. And there makes makes you want to revisit them. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, and and the the good and bad are uh, balanced really well, and it's not unbelievable the way they are good. It's not like someone is just evil, and then all of a sudden they save a baby. Right. There's there's, there's motivation behind yeah. their their actions, and that and it's very well fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, um, just going back to being on set and everything, were there any, I like to ask this too, like any cool traditions or anything anyone does there on set that is kind of fun, they have to do, not really like hazing, but is there something for like the new people they have to do, or, you know, any little fun tidbits from set? Fun tidbits from set. Okay, well, um, <laughs> like I said, in, in, in watching the show so quickly and becoming a fan so quickly, uh, I passed this I passed this imaginary line in my head mm-hmm. while I was sitting on my couch watching, and where for a second I, I started to become starstruck in thinking I'm going to have to show up at work and work with these folks <laughs> now. Now that I'm a fan, so I was trying to show up and be Mr. Cool, <laughs> you know, say hey, how you doing? I'm Billy. Shake people, and every time I shook Grant's hand, I was just so excited, you know. <laughs> And then when they called lunch on the first day, I wasn't working with, um, I hadn't been working with Tony and Jamie yet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went in and I saw Grant sitting at the lunch table. So I, uh, yeah, you guys mind if I sit down? I sat down. And so uh, when I first met Daytac Tar, <laughs> he had just come off of set and Sometimes when Tony eats, he takes these little, what do you call them, barrettes? Mm-hmm. Barrettes and clips them uh. in his hair so it holds back his hair into these two little pigtails. <laughs> so when I met the infamous Daytok Tar, he had these two little girl barrettes in his hair <laughs> and completely smashed the illusion instantaneously. <laughs> That's great. And it's like the first day of school, too. Like, you're at the cafeteria. You're like, who can I sit next to here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> who can I be friends yeah, with? Yeah, but, you know, they, uh, you know, and I guess that comes back to your question about what's it like being, uh, you know, coming on in season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it really easy. They were all very inclusive, and uh, they all had such a a nice balance of keeping things light with a great sense of humor, but just being really invested in the quality of the work and when you show up on any set you, you can't ask for better than that yeah wow so true yeah it's, <laughs> and that's and, great and i mean that and that shows in the in the show itself mm-hmm. like you can tell that the people involved care deeply about like not only that the show does well but that they care that the show acts the way it should yeah the, yeah yeah I mean, even if you just take <clears throat> Arissa's storyline mm-hmm. yeah. from this season and see the quality of work that Stephanie is putting forth, yeah, uh, there's no way that anybody could ever ex- um, accuse that that actor of phoning that in. I mean, every episode, I think she's just been. You know, there's one scene in every episode where that girl just takes your heart right out of your chest. I just think she's knocking it out of the park this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been great kind of getting to learn more about her. I mean, really her and and Grant's character, Nolan, and being able to learn, like we were saying, using the, the backstories this season and really getting to dig deeper with a lot of these characters that we've come to know now over three seasons. 
Yeah, th- th- those um, those flashbacks where mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Nolan was watching the young Arissa almost go kill him when he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's just you know, as a fan, that makes me so excited. Right. Yeah. It would have, what a brilliant narrative device. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was genius the way the writers had set this up to make that yep. work. Like, let someone be in on yeah. someone else's flashback mm-hmm. is, is really cool. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, like you say, the, uh, the ghost of Christmas past. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> brilliant. Hey, Bo, I don't want to keep you too late because I know uh, you're. it's late there in beautiful uh, Toronto, but uh, do you have any predictions or anything you can share with us Yeah, as a fan? Well, you know, I, um, I am technically right now one episode behind oh. because uh, I went to go see the episode at Doc Ewell's place on Sunday. <laughs> awesome. And we, had, uh, we were going to have a barbecue, and we had a... We had a really bad uh, thunderstorm roll through. Oh, wow. um, we don't know what rain's like out and here anymore. It <laughs> blew out the transformers on her block. Whoa. Whoa! So we couldn't actually watch the episode. So I'm one episode behind, um, and uh, someone in the cast, after I was finished shooting, said to me, "Oh, so you know this happens," and I didn't know that thing happened. Oh. Uh-oh. And I was so upset because it's a big thing, and I didn't want to know it just yet. Oh, uh, oh man, that's the so, biggest tease of all right now. <laughs> the tease I the just I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, and I probably shouldn't expound on that anymore because please knowing me, no, I was like, way too do. much will get out too soon. <laughs> so you have absolutely no predictions for me. Oh man, that's that's the tease of all teases. The end all teases right there. I think <laughs> yeah. of all. Well, uh, it was nice talking to you, and thanks for uh, reaching out on Twitter to us. That was yeah. uh, that was a really nice surprise. Well, I've really been enjoying the show, guys. You uh, you keep up the good work. Uh, no, we really appreciate it. Where can uh, the fans find you on Twitter? You can find me at Billy McClellan on Twitter, and uh, check out um, season two of Twelve Monkeys, and also on Sci Fi. Check out The Expanse when it starts in. Uh, December, and uh, I don't think I can really talk too much about that, but I'm going to be <laughs> popping up somewhere in uh, Season 1. Very Fantastic. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for calling in tonight, and uh, we will talk soon, and, and uh, take care. All right. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Bye. Hey, Billy. Uh, I just... I just waved to him. He's on the phone. Hi. <laughs> that was uh, that was great for him. That to was call really cool. And, yeah, and shared a lot of good stuff and just gave a, the biggest tease ever. Now I know everyone. Everyone's like, "What is the thing? What this big, huge thing? Yeah, that he didn't want to know that now we can't know about. And now we're going to wonder what's going to happen these next like what? What do we have? Four episodes left after yeah. this? Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. But so nice of him to call because I know it's a, we know it's late over there and on the East Coast. So uh, thank you again, Billy, for calling in. Yeah, but, thank uh, you. I mean, yeah, going back to this episode, back to the uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really good for sort of this transitional episode out of what we had to deal with. Yeah, in eight. And, I, yeah, I think it was a really good transition. I mean, it wasn't even a. Tra- I mean, I think we've started on what the main story mm-hmm. is kind of going to be for the next few episodes until the end of the season. I think. 
I think it was I, I last week I predicted that it was going to be like a filler episode like it was going to be a one and done kind of like there's a monster mm-hmm. in there and they take care of it but it was not it was, right. I think it immediately opened up a lot more pop, plot points and uh, interesting options to happen it did because I agreed with you too I thought it was yeah. just going to be kind of a one and done as a, as a shift and to kind of get through from the last episodes that we were dealing with you know the, yeah. the VC and everything um, and I loved also the way they they did the camera stuff yeah. with 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 the beast and and sort of like from the beast's perspective at yeah. a couple of points there that was that was great it was really cool that was a lot of fun to watch that so again it's like I, I've noticed just not only with you know special effects and everything this season but they've really gone with some cool little camera angles and and movements and stuff and it's been a lot of fun to watch what they've been doing this season with even that kind of stuff yeah well. yeah I, re- I really enjoyed this episode uh, I thought at the beginning when they had that memorial. Uh, I thought it was very. I was like, "Why is Tevgin here?" Yeah. But I thought it was cool that he was there. I think it, it, as far as like their shift with this character, we were talking mm-hmm. that it feels like they kind of dramatically shifted this character that without an inciting incident. Like this right. is where we thought the character was going to go, but we thought that there would be something like someone saves his life, someone does something so that he can see that like defiance is worth protecting. That kind of thing. We didn't right. really, we didn't really see that happen. It just kind of happened off screen. Yeah, rather quickly for him to have the the, the attachment and the care for these individuals. But but now that he has shifted, mm-hmm. he is being written consistently in this mm-hmm. way now. And it was cool to see him at that memorial. See how I think he noticed how much Nolan was grieving. I think that whole thing with Ender. Uh, Zero's dad mm. was, I mean, heartbreaking. I think, uh, I think Nolan was really interesting this entire episode. This is, this is kind of the first thing we see old Nolan unhinged. Yeah. Like yeah. he's usually so, he's usually so confident, even mm. if he's, even if he's, you know, playing it by ear, he's very confident. And this is the first time we've kind of seen him, uh, shaken. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, you know, not sure of himself and what to do and, and, it, really taking all of that internally from what happened with the twenty seven yeah. uh, townspeople that were were killed during this this attack, so it was uh, yeah, it was very real again. It was yeah. very real and and very very intense. Yeah, and specifically with uh, specifically with zero, he yeah. was uh, he felt like he owed Ender mm-hmm. some sort of ex- explanation, and every time I thought it was great that every time. Nolan tried to explain it and tried to kind of logic it out that, you know, in war, Mm -hmm. people die and he made a bad call, but that's part of being, like, following orders. It never, it never hit with Ender, which I think is, like, such a brave and different way to kind of handle this, Mm -hmm. where usually he would give, like, a speech and then Ender would be like, you know what, you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this gun and I'm going to give it to Orissa. Because she is your daughter, and she can live on in the memory of my son. And instead, it never landed, and it never. Sometimes people are just so sad that they can't not be sad, and I think that's what happened with Ender. And I, I, I really enjoyed that entire story. I thought it was a really different take. That you know, maybe that we in, a, in another show, maybe we would get like one scene of Nolan being sad and drunk, like that right. that one, mm-hmm. and then the next time we see him, he's okay, right? But and, he wasn't, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and the same thing with Ender too. That oh, yeah. we'll tie that ball nice and neat at the end, and he's going to be okay. And yeah, he's going to feel he has the support, and he's going to be able to move on. And and in this case, we did not have that happen. Yeah, which it was just an emotionally intense 
the episode to have to watch that. Yeah. You know, it really, really was. And, and I don't know if you were expecting that at the end with Endor or... Uh, I kind of saw... I, I either I, thought he was going to try and kill Orissa. Yeah. Or because he was like, you took my son, I'd take your daughter. Mm-hmm. Or he was going to kill himself. See, I thought maybe he was going to try to kill himself. I thought it was going to be one of those things where he was going to tie up all neat and somehow Nolan was going to walk in just in time and save yeah. him or, or even Tevgin or something was going to happen to where the, that was not going to occur. And it did, and that was like very stark. Like I, yeah. I do feel like this, again, the season, this no holds barred, like let's just go for it. Characters, regardless, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go there, and they yeah. have without a doubt, and that's what's made this season in particular really intense, knowing that nobody is safe. Yeah, uh, should we hit Stama really quickly, yes. and then go to the main story? Because because of that phone interview, we don't have a lot of time. I know we definitely uh, don't. We're gonna be like, okay, this is this and this happened at the uh, end. Really quickly, like Stama comes back. She hears that she's pardoned. She comes back, but of course, just because you're pardoned. You're a terror. Like the entire right. town still hates you. Exactly. Like she's like she's in such an awkward position because like her husband, I think, is being treated like a hero. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he's being lionized. I think that people really, uh, really kind of uh, respect that turn that they take. He was he was memorialized with the other people who died. The people who died right. in the cave, and I think. Uh, I think that Stama maybe thought that she was coming back to a more welcoming environment. Uh, no, you blew up the arch. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the only reason why you're pardoned is because your husband did something very brave. Um, and Alec is like, if you come close to my son, I will kill you. Because he still thinks that she killed Christy yeah. uh, to save her own skin and not uh, Luke's. Yeah, she's the uh, uh, little bear. She, she's the Nixon of defiance, I guess. Apparently, right now she got pardoned, but still no one likes her. But, yeah, but it, it, yeah, it, it. Well, the thing that was interesting to me too is, I guess I didn't quite read into it the full way, you know, of of Daytac being gone. Yeah, like I was like, really? Did really? Like I, that was kind of surprising to me. I don't know what you thought of that because I was not expecting that. Uh, I I did not think Daytac would be back this episode, and I think um, when we get into predictions, I'm going to have some predictions. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I, I I did think that like Daytac would come back uh, soon, right? And that he would be now greeted as like uh, a hero, the savior, mm-hmm. which I think that I think they might still. Um, but yeah, Stama acted very cowardly and. Uh, you know, d- did the Stama thing. Yeah, and like, self-centered it's, And it's going to be... Stama. I think it's going to be difficult for her. You know, last season she gained a lot of goodwill in the city uh, with taking over the gang and kind of uh, being a foil for Daytac for a lot of the season. And this season uh, she feels like she's been a victim quite a bit and is going to continue living that victim-y lifestyle, which is very unlike Stama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I feel like in this, the, especially these past couple episodes, she's gotten to that point a lot because of what she's been going through with Kinsey and, yeah. and all that kind of craziness of the last previous episodes that I feel it's kind of has affected her, yeah. um, her self-esteem in a way. Yeah, yeah, for wh- sure. Where she feels she stands. And uh, knowing that Tevgin is not like a day talk, like, mm-hmm. you know, a whole different level of, of, of power. Yeah. And not the way that she can manipulate and control like she was able to do with him. Yeah. So it's been definitely a wake-up call for her. Um, you mentioned Kinsey, so let's get to <laughs> it. Uh, Doc finds the clone is a clone of herself. 
and decides and uh god what's the dude's name uh oh yeah samir is back uh, samir comes out of nowhere he's her apprentice yeah uh and uh he's like shouldn't you tell the law keeper and she's like last time he didn't stand up for me when it came to them so i'm gonna do it on my own uh and she goes to investigate and she finds a horror show of her dead body uh hanging from the ceiling Mm -hmm. uh and uh kenzie is there and it turns out that Kenzie has been cloning Dokuel and hunting her down and eating her. Uh, and has now moved on to bigger. She killed those homeless people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, is kind of like this, uh, for real, a monster. Uh, yeah. And uh, Doc is having to deal with all of these like dead bodies. Like Doc's like, I'm going to destroy this. And she's like, no, you're not, because if you do, I'll break your neck put in this control stick and she like puts this control stick in her neck and now all of a sudden Doc Ewell is doing whatever Kinsey tells her to do um uh which leads to Doc killing uh killing or maybe just uh knocking out Samir yeah see that was my thing too yeah. I have written down I'm like well so what did she actually do to Samir it was yeah. the same kind of thing it was like this is the, the needle went in I was like yeah. well, what is it exactly and what happened to him yeah. because we were talking about him before too because he disappeared for quite a few episodes and then he's back again yeah. And helping her out, and you know they're doing yeah. sort of the autopsy and find out that they have the bag, the bagra spores that are only found in old St. Louis. So that's like, oh, she knows it's on now. Yeah, and that sort of led her to believe that was you know Kinsey and the Omec were behind it. I mean, she handled. I mean, uh, Indigene have such an interesting life because she handled seeing clones of herself right. brutally mutilated, uh, very like a champ. Right? Yeah, it's it's the thing that's interesting about Indigenes is that they sort of have emotion but not like they, yeah. they and in some cases but in a lot of ways they're they're stand off it's it's and, fascinating to and me, originally they were, they were grown for parts right. so like that was so like dying is like one of the most important things mm-hmm. that indigenes do and so like to have someone like doc who is like so obstinate and like does not want to die right like a regular person it's very it's very cool to kind of see her kind of be, live in the human world but also in the indigene world as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, she sort of evolved in and from what indigenes had started out being. Yeah. But obviously Kinsey's out there for the hunt and this is part of her thing right now. And this, she's this, uncontrollable. Yes, is this hunt. And of course Tevin comes and saves, saves the day just in the nick of time again. And Daddy is angry. Oh, Daddy is very, very angry. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. He uh he sends her into a stasis pod. Mm-hmm. I thought he I thought maybe he straight up killed her. I did too. I have yeah. to say it. and and again that was going to be shocking to me and it was still surprising to me again that he put yeah. her back in the pod because it's his daughter yeah. as far as we know. I put it in quotes because they have this weird like yeah. relationship. But still again com- considering the you know the the uh, people that he's with in defiance or aliens or whatever yeah. the relationships he's built with them and to actually go above and enough to where he was going to put her his daughter in a pod was fascinating to me too yeah um and i have to give you credit for calling the prediction uh kenzie definitely and nolan definitely yes. tried to yes. have a moment uh, <laughs> uh yeah drunk nolan yes. stricken with grief but I saw it from from episode one because yeah. they had that little flirty thing there, yeah, and I really sure. wanted to see them consummate it. But 
Uh, Not yet. No. There's still hope, though. There's, there's still, there's, still hope. It could still happen. It could still happen, and well, I'm still holding out hope for that. Last season ended with Nolan in a pod with a woman. It might it might end this season with Nolan in, in a, a pod, pod with a woman. Right. Uh uh yeah, uh, any any last thoughts on that clone thing? I thought it was really cool and I re- I really enjoyed kind of like the horror aspect of this episode. Last episode was kind of like a spy slash action like episode and this episode felt very much like a horror uh like themed episode. Yeah, sort of being in the fun house and that crazy, yeah. you know, house of mirrors and sm- with all especially with the uh docules everywhere the multiple clones. Also yeah. they upped their music budget in this episode cuz yeah. there was music everywhere. There was a lot Music a lot of music. A... Usually we waited to the end, and this one they were throwing it in and several yeah. times. They were throwing some funky 70s music in yeah. the town. I mean, they were all about the music this episode, so they, they definitely upped that music budget. Um, I will definitely say, too, the other thing that I thought was really great was the way they ended uh, the, the, the actual episode with both Stama and Tevgan were grieving in, in sort mm-hmm. of different ways. And I love the way they had uh, Stama in black. Yeah, which was such a contrast to what we always see of the Cassidens and their and and all that white and and yeah. you know so that was a really and the great ink she was yeah buying. the ink that she was having to get it was really really cool so I love the way they that ended that that thread with the two of them grieving right. in their own ways really quickly let's do some predictions yes. Scott, Ooh. what are your predictions? It's so tough, but I saw the previews, and yeah. you had called it with the E-Rep coming back. Uh, so maybe we haven't seen the last of Berlin. Yeah. Maybe I mean, is she going to come back? Maybe there's some Berlin action happening. I still feel like there's got to be a final culmination, though, with the OMAC. Like, something that's got to really spark them. Yeah. And, again, still having them help defend Defiance. I think Stama is now going to start becoming, like, a mate with Tevgin. Mm-hmm. And because she thinks that Daytac is dead and then Daytac going to come back. I and agree with you. Like, I still think Daytac's going to come back, too. Yeah, He's yeah, not dead. I think dead. Daytac's going to come back. And I think maybe Kenzie unfreezes herself in the ship and starts unfreezing her brothers and sisters at the very end of the season. That would be interesting. And like, actually have the, her and Tevgin has to stop that. His yeah. own his own people. Own people. That would yeah. be fascinating. Yeah, I, I definitely think we haven't seen the last of Kinsey. Awesome. And I agree with you on Daytac, but I, I'm fascinated. I want to know what happened to Samir, too. Yeah. Is he dead? What was the needle? Yeah, what was what that? What was needle? that? Um, I think uh, that's our episode. Yeah, Folks, find us episode. on YouTube, iTunes, uh, rate us, uh, talk to us. We love talking. Scott, where can they find you on yes, Twitter? Uh, we definitely love talking to everyone. You can find us on Twitter at SMAN80. That's SMAN80. Or me, I guess. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at JessKlein1. That's J-E-S-S-K-L-E-I-N, the number one. And you can also see me on the Video Game Vault in the Pizza and Zombies uh, YouTube page. Yes, and you can also keep the conversation going on Twitter using hashtag ABTVDefiance. Yep. Love uh, talking to everybody on there. So yep. thank you again, and thanks again to Billy for calling in. Yeah. That was fantastic. See you all next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 